Welcome back to the Andrew Curtis Show. And we're up to week number seven in the science of happiness. Brought to you by UC Berkeley. You can do their Science of Happiness course at any time if you go to, well, not at any time, they do different intakes through the year. If you go to edxedx.org and search for the Science of Happiness. So only one more week to go until perfect happiness is guaranteed for the rest of your life, right? That's why we're doing this, isn't it? Um, In fact, I thought it would be good to start before we get into this week's topic. Just to recap a little bit about why I thought it was important to do this series in the first place. And this might not come out the most elegant way possible, so just bear with me on it, right? But the best place I can begin is to first think about how we approach our physical well-being. And that when something is wrong with us physically, even if we don't actually act on it and go to see a doctor, we become aware of it and we recognize that our bodies are not at their best when they are suffering or in pain. Is that fair enough? So if you have a sore leg, (laughs) a sore leg, you realize, wait a minute, that's probably not a good thing. I should be careful about how I treat that leg for a little while. I'll be careful not to stress it. And perhaps I do need to see a doctor or a physio or something like that so that it will get better. Not the deepest observation, is it? But when it comes to our mental or emotional well-being, I, I don't feel like we're as good as doing that. And something that is covered very early in this course, I think now if I look back, it was in the first week or so, that positive emotion is good for us. It's good for us to be happy, to be emotionally well-connected with other people, and to experience what they call subjective well-being. And in other words, to be genuinely at ease and happy about who you are and where you are at. And there's a lot of health benefits that come with that. Now, I feel like in our culture, we have a lot of things that place demands on us that make us believe that that's just something that's not attainable. That happiness is something that, well, you get it if you're lucky. But is it something we should really strive for, that we should have as a legitimate goal? Now, there's a lot to unpack in that, and I would encourage you to look into the first week or two of the series to understand that more deeply. But for me, this series is an expression of honoring the fact that, you know what? Happiness is important. Happiness is something that we do all want, that we should all want, and that is just, it's good for you. It's good for you. And the science behind this is what I think elevates a lot of the principles we discuss from just being nice ideas, nice to haves, to things that we say, well, if there was something that you could do that would reduce your risk of heart disease, would you do it? If there was something that you could do that would reduce your risk of a stress-related illness, would you do it? Right? Well, happiness, positive emotion are all connected to those things. So that's a slightly more long-winded intro than we've done on these series previously. But if you've just joined me now, I thought it's probably a good idea to maybe bring you up to speed and that might make you want to look back on the the series up until now and take the things from it that are most beneficial or helpful for you. Okay, so with that in mind, we're going to get into this week and we're talking about gratitude, an entire week dedicated to gratitude. Gratitude. In some ways, I feel like we have talked about this a lot already. There's been an undercurrent of gratitude, I believe, in a lot of the things that we've spoken about. And so, Dacher Keltner, who is one of the senior lecturers of this particular series, uh, begins this week by actually referencing the work of uh, Dr. Robert Emmons. And incidentally, I've reached out to him to see if he wants to appear on the podcast. Haven't heard anything back yet. So if you know him uh, and you want to put in a good word, then go for it. And Dr. Emmons, if you are listening, you've got my email, buddy. 
Uh, otherwise, I'll put it at the end of this uh, this particular episode. Digression. So Robert Emmons is a pioneering researcher on gratitude, and he has one of the most beautiful definitions of gratitude that I've ever heard. And he defines it as just the feeling of reverence for something that's given. Gratitude is a feeling of reverence for something that is given. It occurs when, thanks to other people, something good happens to us that we don't necessarily earn or deserve. I think that is such a powerful thought. That phrase of, well, you deserve this or you don't deserve that is very common. And I don't want to detract from the importance of hard work, which is usually associated with that. But I just think in terms of making the world a better place, we can't be trapped into just giving people what they deserve, right? I mean, you think about what causes us to get involved in the third world when we hear about different challenges or even in terms of child poverty or something like that in the Western world or in New Zealand where I live. Do I get involved because they deserve it? I mean, in some circumstances, we could say, well, they don't deserve our help, right? That's just a pretty narrow way to live. It's a pretty dark place to live. And I don't think anyone's life was ever changed by just being given what they deserve. So gratitude, being aware and being reverent for something that has been received. Uh, Michael McCulloch also adds that gratitude involves benefiting from someone's costly, intentional and voluntary action. Think about that again. Somebody's costly, cost them something to do it. It was intentional. It wasn't an accident. And voluntary, they weren't compelled in any way, benefiting from a costly, intentional, and voluntary action. I really like that. So, thinking about gratitude, going back as far as, say, the Enlightenment, sees that gratitude was recognized as a major moral emotion, and it promoted cooperation. And again, these are things that that lead to a better quality of life for all of us. Um, Robert Trivers, who is an evolutionary thinker, uh, puts a spin on gratitude to say that reciprocal altruism so in other words altruism is when you do things for the greater good uh do things for somebody else's benefit and reciprocal meaning it goes back and forwards between us um says that that is driven by gratitude and there's more benefits that we're going to discuss for gratitude in a little while as well but we'll see that it brings about things like more optimism more life satisfaction and more happiness it also brings a decrease in envy in possessiveness, in anxiety, and in depression. I'm going to let that one hang for a bit. Depression. It's a big challenge that we face in the Western world. Ironically, I don't know if ironic is the right word, tragically maybe, because we have so much, and yet we're so unhappy. So gratitude is linked to more cooperation, generosity, compassion, and happier relationships. Do you want those things? I do. Uh, And it also makes leaders more pro-social and reduces post-traumatic stress in certain groups as well. So that sounds pretty good, right? Going further then into Robert Emmons' work and talking about the power of gratitude, uh, he believes that gratitude includes two components. First of all, it's a fundamentally positive mindset because we recognize that there's some good in the world. Um, and now is the time I'm going to bring in a reference that you probably never expect to happen. Uh, but if you've ever heard of a website called Cracked, uh, they are kind of a satirical website and they post all kinds of, I don't know, stuff that can be a little bit borderline humor. But there's an article on there that I read uh, a little while ago. It was actually posted in 2013, but I'm going to link this for you. I would encourage you to check it out. 
because the article itself is called seven reasons why the world is hang on i'll get this title absolutely right seven reasons the world looks worse than it really is and i think that's a message that we all need to pay attention to seven reasons the world looks worse than it really is if you google that on cracked.com you will find it pretty easily and i share that because um it's very easy to get bogged down in the things that we think are wrong with the world. If you ask most people, how is the world right now, especially the older they are, right? That's nostalgia kicking in. The older I get, the better I was. Um, it's very easy to get bogged down into the sense that the world is not going well. And yet, and yet, um, that's a reflection of our own thinking our own biases that look towards that kind of stuff. So what can we be grateful for? Well, there is something really good in the world, and I don't want you to lose sight of that. So check that article out. Um, the thing about gratitude as well is that it's always directed at something outside of ourselves. And so it's a recognition that we are dependent on other people. And I've talked about this in previous episodes, and I'm going to talk about it again now. It's This has been an important lesson for me to learn because I had taken on board thinking from earlier in my life that said it was really important not to rely on anyone. And I think that's a fairly common mythology that's out there. Uh, the idea of the self-made man or woman. Um, and in fact, there was a Oscar speech that got a good bunch of laughs from Alison Janey. Uh, she won Best Supporting Actress, I think it was. And her opening line was um, something along the lines of, I got here all by myself. <laughs> and of course, you know, she, she made that point that it was an obvious joke, that there was people that she couldn't have possibly got there without the help of. But in some ways, we, we kind of want that, right? So I think that desire works against what's best for us and our own sense of happiness and well-being. And I know that's been true for me anyway. So I share that thought before I move on a little bit more. Um, so there's two types of gratitude. Uh, there's a momentary feeling that we experience when someone benefits us and a more long-term mindset where we see that everything in life is a gift. There's so many things that you didn't earn to be where you are today. Even think if you were born 100 years ago, 200 years ago, the difference in life experience that you would have, your opportunities to do and be what you want to be. Yes, there might be obstacles, but I want to tell you, all of us have more opportunity and more mobility now than we have ever had before. See, in contrast, ungrateful people see life as a burden and they focus on the negative and see everything that they don't have instead of what they do. Man, that'll preach to me right now. I'll tell you, I was thinking about that earlier this week. You know, when something happens that doesn't go your way, and how easily we think about the thing that we don't have or we can't do. And we obsess about that. I have obsessed about that. And yet there's always so many other things that we can possibly do. I don't know, man. We just, whether or not it's a human nature thing, it, it, we're trained to do it by culture, whatever you want to call it. All I know is that for me, that's what makes you get so upset. Something's got in the way and you're like, oh man, I just can't, I can't do this thing. Well, I remember learning a little while ago in a different context to always say to people, you know, don't don't tell me what you can't do. Tell me what you can do. And that to me is the power of gratitude. And I use the word power deliberately because power talks about the ability to make something happen, right? And just being grateful makes your mindset more powerful. And as I'm saying that, I'm reminding myself of it, which is why, again, I do this podcast, right? It's in the learning of these sorts of things and sharing these ideas that we get inspired and we are empowered personally and um, relationally. 
So to develop this further, Robert Emmons talks about Pay It Forward. You might have heard about that movie with Haley Joel Osment, the kid from The Sixth Sense. Uh, talked about in one study, people were asked to list five things that they were grateful for once a week for 10 weeks. So compared to control groups, they felt more optimistic, better about life, and 25% happier. Now, interestingly too, a great, that, that gratitude moment, things to be grateful for, is just things that they already have, right? Not things that I would like to have one day. That strikes me when I look at that. Because we tend to think in terms of I'll be happy when. Uh, and the whole idea behind this is actually you can be happy now. So people who did that, were aware of those things, made lists of things that they were grateful for, more optimistic, felt better about life, and 25% happier. They also had fewer health complaints and symptoms of physical illness and spent more time exercising. Isn't that interesting? So in another study, people asked to were asked to keep a gratitude journal every day for two weeks, and at the end of it, they came out more joyful, enthusiastic, interested, attentive, energetic, excited, determined, and strong. That is the full list in front of me right now. Joyful, enthusiastic, interested, attentive, energetic, excited, determined, and strong. From a gratitude journal. Think about that. They were more likely to support or help other people, and other people did in fact rate them as more helpful as well. So it wasn't just a personal bubble that they were in, other people saw it. So for people with neuromuscular disorders, just in case you thought this was just for warm, um, fuzzy people who were, you know, comfortably middle class, uh, people who are really struggling with something like a neuromuscular disorder, this exercise led, led to more optimism and connection with other people, more positive emotions and life satisfaction, along with fewer negative emotions. Uh, they were able to fall asleep faster, sleep for longer, and feel more refreshed in the morning. Man. I feel like I'm learning this stuff a whole second, third time over just going through this all with you. So research on grateful people has found that friends rate them as more supportive, kind, and helpful. And as one study showed, gratitude is even more effective than a good mood in getting people to help others. So why is it so powerful? Uh, one thought that's shared is that it's hard to feel like the world is terrible when we notice all the things that other people are doing for us. And when we express that gratitude, it deepens our connection to others. Now, in one of the uh, earlier episodes, um, we talked about the power of social connection in terms of our happiness too. So it kind of just seems to all pile on top of each other, right? It's all interconnected, these ideas. So that's why I like them. Now, uh, Emiliana Simon-Thomas chimes in at this point, and she is the other senior lecturer presenter for this particular course. She's also the science director at the Greater Good Science Center uh, from uh, Berkeley in California. And she talks about the psychological benefits of gratitude and says that grateful people and people who train to be more grateful experience more happiness and pro-sociality and less negative emotions, stress, and antisocial feelings. By the way, that whole idea of being pro-social just really speaks to the actions or behaviors that are beneficial for all of us in community together. We, you know, again, are motivated to behave towards the greater good. So how does this happen though, right? Um, on the positive side, gratitude helps us to not only see more of the good in life, but also get more benefit out of it as we savor the experience. And afterwards, it also helps us remember what happened and reminisce about positive experiences. So in this way, it reduces what they call habituation which is another way of saying things that become habits. We take things for granted less. 
when we are grateful. Isn't that cool? Um, on the negative side, gratitude can help us get past crises in life. That's not the negative side of gratitude. It's the negative side of our own lives. Uh, grateful people are more likely to see a crisis in a positive light and less likely to disengage and blame themselves. So, sounds good, right? I just love how this, uh, th there seems to be no downside here. Um, if you're a bit of a more bar humbug kind of person, well, I thank you for listening this far anyway. So, hey, look, just continue to listen, see what stands out to you. Um, and you can always send me through your thoughts too, by the way. I love to hear back from people about the things that have impacted them. I got a message from a, uh, a listener just the other week, which was quite encouraging for me. And I just think we're all the better for sharing our experiences. So you can send them through to the Andrew Curtis Show at gmail.com or you can actually i think message me through the facebook page as well if you want to do that go for your life so why is gratitude good back to robert emmons here and again not just as a subjective nice to have let's look at the the tangible reasons why gratitude is a good thing so the first one is psychological um, grateful people have more positive emotion and pleasure they're more optimistic energetic joyful and happy Gratitude helps reduce the frequency and duration of depression as well. You know what else? You know, I guess we've kind of talked about this too, but I'm inspired at this point to just say again that gratitude says, look at what you already have. It doesn't say you're lacking anything. Um, I think it's Brene Brown who speaks quite articulately about the culture of lack that we have. Something about our society is focused on what we don't have all the time. Uh, you could get deeper into that, say, is it tied to things like consumerism and materialism and that sort of stuff that's always about acquiring the next thing. But gratitude says, no, what you have right now. Let's look at what you have right now. Start with what you have right now. And again, I find that fundamentally empowering. Uh, another benefit uh, of gratitude, as listed by Robert Emmons, is physical, in that grateful people have stronger immune systems and lower blood pressure. They're less bothered by aches and pains and take better care of their health, uh, like exercising more. They also sleep longer and feel more refreshed in the morning. These are things that to me help move this idea of gratitude beyond just a nice to have to a essential. I'd love to see this kind of thing in schools or learning institutions, even as part of work environments as well, I think. But still, this is why I think these things are so important. And thirdly, social in terms of the benefits, uh, the gratitudes. The benefits of gratitude, of the gratitudes, sounds quite spiritual, almost religious. Grateful people are more helpful, generous, and compassionate. They're more forgiving and more outgoing. They're also less lonely and isolated. So those are all benefits of uh, gratitude from Robert Emmons, psychological, physical, and social. So when we spotlight something good, gratitude discourages us from taking things for granted. It helps us to increase our pleasure of that taking the, the pleasure we take from that thing and bolsters our self-worth because we can't be that bad if people are being kind to us, right? Is there somebody out there who would help you? Yeah. Um, the positive attitude of gratitude helps us move past stress and actually prevents us from experiencing negative emotions like envy and resentment and regret. The thing is though, gratitude's a bit radical in our society. It's an admission that we're not fully in control or self-sufficient. And that we don't always get what we deserve in life, we get more. How do you feel about that when you hear that? We don't always get what we deserve in life, we get more. We get more. 
Um, it also challenges our self-serving bias. So it's the way we tend to take credit for the good things in life, but we blame the bad things on external causes. So in addition to the gratitude journal, we can ca cultivate gratitude by simply counting our blessings daily. So good. So good. Now, Sonia Lubomirsky, who is uh, a con frequent contributor to this course, also has done a study into gratitude bringing happiness, just to really connect these two together. Interesting insight, though, because she had people do a five-item gratitude journal for six weeks. And it was either once or three times a week. The interesting thing she found was that people became more grateful, but only if they did the exercise once a week. Now, you could speculate as to why the three times didn't work so well, but that was just her finding. Um, also, Catherine Price uh, writes in uh, Stumbling Toward Gratitude that her story was about reluctance of becoming more grateful. Reminds us that uh, the practices work, but we've got to allow ourselves to feel bad once in a while. We can't be happy all the time. And that idea goes all the way back to the first week as well. It says that, you know, happy people, fundamentally happy people don't expect to be happy all the time and i think that is the root of some of our stresses in the western world right that we believe that we should be happy all the time and so when we're unhappy we're unhappy for two reasons uh we're unhappy because of the thing that made us unhappy and we're unhappy that we're unhappy and we need to get happy again as quickly as possible uh, which creates a bit of a downward emotional spiral all to say when sad things happen <laughs> it's going to make you sad that is okay acknowledging that is a is a much quicker way of accepting it and moving through it than fighting it saying no no i'm fine i'm fine i'm fine right because how many times have you done that does it actually make you fine because i don't think it does um personally anyway how gratitude can help you through hard times this is from robert emmons again and he talks about how we might think that gratitude is only useful when things are going well but his study and it links to what we talked about earlier with people who had the um uh muscular uh, neuromuscular disorders um he talks about how gratitude is a powerful tool when life is hard and although gratitude in these moments might not might not might not make us feel good it can shift our perspective towards the positive so an example that's given is that we can compare the current situation to the worst time in our lives. Or alternatively, they even say, think about mortality. So probably today will come out looking a little bit better. We can also reframe situations or find positive ways of looking at it. And that in itself is quite a powerful little insight too, that I like to use this example of being stuck in traffic, right? Because we talk about certain circumstances and how certain behavior is a given, um, of course I was angry, of course I was upset, this thing happened. I just want to tell you a story and you can see how to apply this to your own life. I want you to think about when you're in traffic. And there can be a number of different responses. One person gets progressively more stressed out. They are looking for the gaps in the lanes to help get them to their journey even faster. And they become more and more stressed out, more and more agitated as they go along, right? There's another person who is in their car, they're staying in their lane, and they just turn on the music, turn on a podcast, like the Andrew Curtis show, shameless plug, and just cruise through that moment, recognizing that, well, there's not a lot they can do about it then and there, but 
they'll get to their destination in the end. My point in sharing that is this, that those people are both in the same traffic jam, right? They're in the same traffic jam, but they're having a different experience because of their thinking about it. So when I talk about these moments now of gratitude and how we reframe a situation, it's our thinking about the experiences we go through that really creates our experience of life. And if it's possible for somebody else to go through a difficult situation as a, in a positive way, then it means that that is true for us as well. So what's the traffic jam for you? Is there a moment where you've felt like responding in a negative, aggravated way is the only way? All I would say to you is, can you think of any examples where somebody else has handled that differently? Responded differently? How might their thinking about it be different to yours? One way that it could be different could be in terms of gratitude. So, uh, going back to Robert Emmons' work, he talks about, um, for example, people with a debilitating illness experience sincere and intense gratitude, often about everyday things, showing us that gratitude can be a choice. You know, I heard a story very recently about a guy who has a, um, a muscular degenerative disease. I, I can't remember exactly what it was. Um, might have been MS as well, actually. Anyway, he, he said that he realized that because of the nature of this disease, um, today is the best day that he's going to have. And so every day becomes his best day. And I thought that was incredible. Because of that, he was actually able to reach out and, and help other people who have been diagnosed with the same condition that he has. But every day then becomes his best day. Because this is his, the best day he's going to get. And then tomorrow, well, actually, this is now the best day. So he has a succession of best days. So when we reframe the experience, coming back to Robert Emmons again, we start by thinking about how we learnt and became a better person. Although painful, it might have brought about some virtues or shown us what we have to be grateful for. Now let's look at the body. Uh, the body and relationships as it relates to gratitude. And we're hearing from Emiliana Simon Thomas again. And she talks about... Um, Researchers call in gratitude the find, remind, and bind emotion. It helps us to find people to form relationships with. It reminds us of their good qualities, and then it binds us closer to them. For example, if we're receiving gratitude from a partner, it makes us more satisfied with the relationship. And uh, when they looked at college campuses, grateful sorority sisters made more friends three weeks later. Gratitude. It's attractive. Who'd have thought? Wendy Berry Mendez looked into the physiological benefits of gratitude more deeply and her preliminary findings show that grateful people have lower resting blood pressure uh, and lower blood pressure responses to stress, higher good cholesterol, lower bad cholesterol and the mechanism by which gratitude affects health could be also in our oxytocin networks and uh, we covered that in one of the earlier podcasts as well on this uh, Science of Happiness um, also in potentiated behavior, vagus nerve activity, and stress pathways. Now, to Philip Watkins. When were you going to get to Philip Watkins? I know, I know, right? Like, you guys were just, I could feel it, I could feel it. Philip Watkins, um, I hadn't heard of him either. The social benefits of gratitude, not that I'm sure he doesn't do great work. Watkins compared, <laughs> disclaimer, disclaimer, don't sue me. People in America are hearing this, you just kind of like feel like people lawyering up. 
Mind you, if you got sued for a gratitude podcast. Anyway, where is my mind all of a sudden? He talked about the three good things gratitude journal um, to writing about things that made us proud or just random things and found that gratitude journalers became happier and kept becoming happier after the exercise. He believes that gratitude journaling trains our minds to notice good things. I like that. Interpret situations positively and think about positive events from the past. So he characterizes gratitude as a moral or pro-social emotion. There's that pro-social term again. And when we feel gratitude, it's an indication that other people are acting properly towards us. It encourages us to return the kindness and experience gratitude ourselves, reinforcing moral behavior. When we feel gratitude, it makes us nice. (laughs) That's the layman's interpretation on that. It also strengthens our relationships in several ways because we like grateful people more. Maybe because they seem happier and they're more likely to help us. Who knows? And when they do help us, um, we've, we have been kind to them. Sorry. And they do help us whether we have been kind to them before or not. This is talking about our relationships to grateful people. Um, grateful people are also more likely to want to work in groups versus alone. And they include others even at a cost to themselves. What nice people. Now, more looking more deeply into relationships. And this is a study by Jess... Alberts and uh, Angela, oh goodness, Trethewey, T-R-E-T-H-E-W-E-Y. Uh, but first, drink of water. That's good stuff. Talked about one of the biggest struggles between married couples is the division of chores. The division of chores. I love how these things become so clinical. That almost sounds like a declaration of war. And now the first item on the agenda is the division of chores. If one partner feels it's unfair, they're more likely to be dissatisfied and consider a divorce. So sometimes the problem, according to their research, isn't actually the division, but a lack of gratitude. And what happens is that one partner has a lower, air quotes, response threshold, which means maybe they get annoyed by mess and notice it earlier than the other partner. So they end up always being the person to take out the trash or do the dishes or clean up the bathroom or whatever it is. Now, over time, that becomes their chore and their partner expects them to do it. So it's no longer a gift that requires thanks. So the first way to solve this problem, as with so many of these things, by the way, is just to become aware of it. I love the power of awareness. I think that that is the beginnings of all great wisdom and insight. Just starting by becoming aware. Is there anything I haven't noticed? In fact, even if there's something beyond this topic that we've talked about here right now, something that's stressing you out, is there something about it that you haven't noticed? A response, a, well, I'll leave that to you to figure out, right? But become aware of it. So when you're starting a relationship, remember that this dynamic is in play and don't get assigned a chore by default if you're already further along you could recognize that the partner with the higher response threshold isn't lazy necessarily maybe they are maybe they're not but maybe they simply just don't notice the mess as early as you do when they realize that you're constantly taking out the trash or whatever the chore is they can start to express gratitude and will probably start feeling the desire to give back too or you can remind them when it's time for a chore to be done and express gratitude when they do You could even take turns so both of you appreciate what the other is doing. This connects with a principle that I think I've shared in a number of different ways offhand over the last little while. And this is about a healthy relationship dynamic being two parties being able to say what they need from each other. 
it sounds very businessy because I heard it in a business context and I haven't found a way to translate it into a more casual kind of environment, right? It was originally discussed in terms of, say, management and team members, people being able to say, I need you to do this report by this date or something like that. And the other person being able to say, okay, I'll need this in order to achieve that. And usually a relationship gets out of balance when we feel like one person can make the demands and the other person can't. So that whole paragraph that I just went through with you there feels like another expression of that. You know, part, two people being able to say, what do they need from each other? And you do need things from other people. I mean, this, this goes back to that earlier thought, right? Sometimes we don't, we don't want to need things from people. We want to be self-sufficient. We want to help others, but we don't want other people to help us. How true is that? Man, I've got a few friends like that. I have been like that. I'm still a little bit like that, but I'm learning to get better at just accepting things when people want to do stuff for me. But we don't want to be helped, right? And so when you're in a relationship dynamic, to actually admit, well, no, actually, I do I do need some things from you. It's both empowering and yet very vulnerable. So I'd encourage you to think about that, even for friendships and that kind of stuff as well. Do you need to have a discussion about what do you need from that other person and what might they need from you? Right. So in the end, coming back to the Albertson uh, Truth Away uh, study, couples who feel appreciated by their partners um, resent the division of labor less. That's a clunky way to say that, guys. Come on. And feel more satisfied in their relationships. Sounds good, right? So let's talk about the challenges to gratitude then, because we've talked a lot about how positive this is. And obviously it's so good. And why aren't more people grateful and that kind of stuff, right? So there's two types of challenges to gratitude. And Dacher Keltner comes back in at this point to talk about this, saying that on the one hand, uh, we might have trouble practicing gratitude because we run into tensions with our daily habits or personality. So gratitude goes against things like individualism, narcissism, materialism, something I talked about just before, and feelings of entitlement. You deserve, I deserve, whatever. Um, Simply feeling too stressed and busy can also get in the way. Um, But we might also have reservations about gratitude because we worry that it might make us complacent or over-accommodating, or perhaps we think maybe we're already grateful. We say thanks, of course. And so gratitude during suffering isn't possible, is another belief that we might have. We're going to get into a little bit more about this in a moment because I think there's a really cool insight that uh, speaks to gratitude culturally and um, helps us kind of understand where those sorts of things are at. So, moving into the next part then. And um, Tom Gilovich talks about the uh, psychological barriers to gratitude. Now, he's famous for researching the differences between how experiences and material things makes us happy. Um, And he applied these notions to gratitude. So, One barrier that he noted, first of all, um, to gratitude is what he called the headwinds, tailwinds asymmetry. So the way we tend to notice obstacles holding us back, which are headwinds, but not the things that push us forward, the tailwinds. So the solution is to take advantage of the headwinds. Um, People prefer to hear about our experiences and stories about obstacles that are more interesting. Um, So we can delight them with tales of our struggles. You know, I'm going to read that again properly because I feel like I skimmed that. The solution is to take advantage of the headwinds. People prefer to hear about our experiences and stories about obstacles are more interesting so we can delight them with our tales of struggle. That way we begin to see our struggles more positively or at least get some kind of social benefit out of them, right? I mean, nobody really likes to hear a story of, hey, I went and did this thing and everything went great. Well, I mean, we're happy for you, but how does that help me, right? That's kind of what we're wondering. 
or what I've been wondering on occasion when I hear that kind of stuff. Uh, another barrier is adaption. There's actually a really funky phrase called hedonic adaption, which speaks to this kind of stuff, comes out of psychology, but just really just says we adapt to uh, more to things than experiences. So over time, we become happier with experiences we've had, but we become less happy about things that we've acquired. So as Gilovich explains it, experiences become part of who we are and they connect us to others. Um, and we are much more grateful for experiences than things. And thinking of an experiential purchase also makes us more generous. While thinking about a material purchase makes us less generous. Isn't that interesting? Um, now, going back to Robert Emmons again, the patron saint of gratitude at this point, I'm sure you're thinking, I know I am, uh, what gets in the way of gratitude? So Emmons talks about discussing other physio um, other psychological barriers rather to gratitude, including misconceptions about gratitude itself. So when we believe gratitude is just a feeling, we might think that there's nothing we could do to feel more grateful, but it's actually a deliberate way of thinking. And this is what he's talking about here. Now, here's the thought that I was quite keen to get to. Another barrier, and they say particularly among Americans, but I think it's kind of a Western mindset thing, is the desire not to be indebted to other people. Is that true for you? It's been true for me, I know. The desire not to be indebted to other people, to not ask for help, something like that, to be that self-made man, self-made woman. And the last difficulty is narcissism. And people who are ungrateful also tend to be self-important, arrogant, vain, and seeking admiration and approval. So these sorts of people tend to be self-absorbed. They focus on their own issues. And it makes it difficult to uh, empathize with their helper and express gratitude. And although narcissism as a, I don't know, way of being isn't that common, we all exhibit some amount of narcissism from time to time. Uh, and now to talk about some myths about gratitude. And to talk about those myths, we're talking about Robert Emmons' work again. And these are the five. Gratitude makes us complacent, accepting whatever we have as enough. That's one myth. Well, in fact, one six-week study uh, showed that people doing a gratitude exercise worked harder at their goals and made 20% more progress. So in general, grateful people aren't more satisfied with their progress towards their goals than less grateful people. The second thing is that gratitude is just a fluffy form of positive thinking. That's another myth. Well, in fact, gratitude may come with some negative emotions from the realization that we're dependent on and indebted to others. Also, gratitude increases positive emotions more than it reduces negative emotions, and it doesn't reduce anxiety, tension, or unhappiness at all. Interesting. Uh, thirdly, gratitude will make me self-effacing. Well, studies have shown that recognizing the contributions of others doesn't reduce how much credit we take. Fourthly, that we can't be grateful in hard times, and we've talked about this a bit already, as Emmons details um, above, uh, gratitude is particularly useful after a crisis and can help us see the bigger picture. There's no better time to be grateful than when you're going through a challenge. And lastly, that gratitude is for religious people. And although religious people are a bit more inclined to be grateful, anybody can do it. And being grateful to God doesn't mean we're less grateful to other people. So there's a five myths about gratitude that Emmons discovered. So as we come into uh, some of the final thoughts on this particular section, we're talking about scaling gratitude, cultivating gratitude. 
And Emiliana Simon Thomas uh, talks about saying, you know, besides a gratitude letter and a gratitude journal, we can become more grateful in our lives by saying thank you more and trying to appreciate and savor positive experiences. And in fact, that gratitude letter is one of the exercises that is recommended to people for people to try during this course. And it's simply a matter of writing a letter to someone who made a big difference to you and then reading it to them in person. And there's uh, some really cool videos actually of people who have done that. So I'll try and include those into the link um, for this episode as well. Uh, Now we're going to talk about uh, Jeremy Adam Smith's uh, work, which is Six Habits of Highly Grateful People. So if you want to become a more grateful person, here's a few things. See what resonates with you and what you can do about it. Um, The first is to think about death and loss. Sounds a bit counterintuitive, doesn't it? Thinking about losing something that we have or actually giving it up for a while makes us appreciate it more. Uh, The second habit is to stop and smell the roses. In other words, taking delight in little rituals. The third thing is to see life as a gift and uh, also people themselves to see them as, as bound to all of humanity with give and take. The fourth thing here is that uh, highly grateful people are grateful to people. So that activates biological systems of trust, affection, pleasure, and reward. And in contrast, being grateful to something like nature doesn't make, you, make, doesn't make nature happier or strengthen our bond to it. So you can see the power of being grateful to people as opposed to other things. Uh, fifth, these people who are highly grateful are specific about their gratitude. And I think that's really powerful as well. Um, and I've something I've learned in, in giving com, uh, compliments to people. Saying exactly what we're grateful for seems more authentic instead of something like, hey, thanks for everything you do. Right? You ever got one of those before? Um, so very grateful people express their understanding of the giver's intention, cost, and value given. In fact, if we go all the way back to the beginning, right? One of the definitions of gratitude that was given um, was that it was benefiting from somebody's costly, intentional, or voluntary action. So if you can recognize their cost, their intention, and the fact that they chose to do it for you, um, I think that's a really cool way of recognizing more specifically, uh, you know, the, 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 the work that somebody else has done for you. And lastly, very grateful people um, can even be grateful for adversity. So those are the top six habits of highly grateful people. Um, Last few points we're going to look at here. Giancomo Bono um, looked at cultivating gratitude in schools and um, how we go about doing that. Um, And there's further thought about uh, work that was done by him and Jeffrey Fro uh, that showed that teaching gratitude showed people from high school, middle school, um, elementary school, in the states uh all experience more positive emotion and uh, and greater social connection as a result um and then the last point that i want to talk about today is from jeremy adam smith and talking about five ways to cultivate gratitude at work because you know work's a bit of a paradox right because as far as gratitude goes we want to be appreciated and um enjoy saying thank you to colleagues and grateful bosses have better performing teams but also work can be the last place we expect to experience gratitude. In fact, there, there was a study that said about 60% of people never express gratitude at work. Wow. I guess, I don't know, is that because if we do that, then it, we we're afraid it will undermine our position, what we contributed, and we're just looking to promote ourselves? Could be. Feels true to me. 
Um, so in, anyway, the environment can be tricky, but here's five tips from Jeremy Adam Smith about cultivating gratitude at work. First thing, if you are the man in charge or the woman in charge, have the boss start so that the rest of the team feels comfortable with expressing gratitude. The second thing is to thank people with thankless jobs. I always think about that with when people clean your, clear your table, you know, when you're at a restaurant or even like getting fast food, getting a burger or something like that, or thanking like the janitorial staff somewhere. Those are the people that I think it's important to really thank as well. Uh, the third thing is to focus on quality gratitude that goes into detail rather than a lot of cursory thanks. Hey, thanks very much. Right? Kind of the stuff we talked about earlier on. Number four is to let people express and receive gratitude in their own style. Uh, and they used ideas from things like gratitude walls to gifts to little gestures of help. Imagine a gratitude wall at work. That'd be a heck of a thing. Uh, and then lastly, use gratitude to help the team get through a crisis and to see the positives. So be the one who starts to direct the conversation to saying, yep, this isn't what we wanted. But is there anything that we can be grateful for here? Something that we can learn about? Have we been through the situation and found a way through previously? So that is gratitude. I'm feeling a bit tired after all that. There's a lot to go through, but um, I hope you enjoyed it. And more than that, hopefully you're grateful for it. Huh? Huh? See what I did there? Um, share this with other people. That would be my thing I would ask of you. Because I think gratitude is one of the most powerful ways that we can improve the quality of our experience and the quality of other people's experience. Because in the Western world, we have so much. Um, in my last episode, you would have heard my conversation with Nikki Umana Tate, and she is involved in a charity bike ride through Thailand to raise money for orphanages and, um, and children over there. And I met her by being part of one of those rides at the very beginning. She's gone on to do four of them. And for me, though, that ride was the genesis in some ways of this podcast because it helped me realize that I was in the third world where people were supposed to be impoverished and, and they were. I mean, there was some very real poverty there. But it made me think again about where we live. The majority of us in the, in the Western world, um, I mean, again, I'm in New Zealand, no matter where you are, the UK and the USA, somewhere in Europe, somewhere in Africa, I don't know, maybe. But we really actually have so much we have so much and we have more than people have had at any other time in history. And yet we find a reason to be miserable for it, probably because we fixate on what we don't have. So gratitude could just be the thing that we've all been looking for. So share this with other people or let me know your thoughts as always. Send them through to the Andrew Curtis show at gmail.com. And again, if you are just listening to this for the first time, either via SoundCloud or iTunes, if you want access to the articles that I've referenced today, if you go to the Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash the Andrew Curtis show, uh, under each episode of the Science of Happiness, I try and link all of the articles and videos and things, excuse me, so that you can read along and, and find out more if you want to. So that is another episode of the Science of Happiness, and I'm grateful that you joined me. Thanks very much. Don't call it a comeback I've been here for years I'm rocking my pants